Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. rolling martin careful oh watch no. out careful martin let it go let it go let it go on that i kind of felt it start and i was like yeah whatever is going on i'm going to jump off here do an interview marty marty was standing there so i didn't want to leave him hanging take off down after the car, the car. you're missing something it's all right don't worry about that <laughs> ghost riding it <laughs> remember when you're a kid and you ghost ride your bike Take off pedaling and go stride it off a jump. That's kind of what it was. <laughs> Nothing could stop the 78 car on Saturday nope. night in Kentucky. Not even the man who was driving it. Welcome to NASCAR America, everybody. Carol Amano, Parker Kligerman here. We also have Kyle Petty and Nate Ryan joining us from the Big Oak Table at NBC Sports Charlotte. Kyle, he also had some trouble getting into victory lane as well. I guess he must have expended so much energy dominating on Saturday night that the rest really didn't matter. Back-to-back -back winner at Kentucky and then couldn't find victory lane. I asked him, I said, Is, what's up, what's up, short-term memory? I lost, I don't know what. We, we just said that Dale Jarrett, we had our stage set up there. Dale Jarrett is staring him down. Down at this point. The only person who could stare Truex down is Del Jerry. You see him right there staring him down. Don't come this way, bud. I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, the guy's been flawless at Kentucky for two years. Yeah. I guess he's allowed to make a few mistakes yes. post-race, like putting put the car in gear or not finding victory lane. Yeah, it, it all worked out. Uh, you know what it is? They don't build these cars to go slow nor stop. They're only <laughs> built for one thing, and that is to go fast. And we've seen that 78 does that better than anyone in Kentucky. Yeah. Okay, so the big story of the day is the Roval. That's what we're going to spend the next hour talking about. Truex was actually part of the first day of testing at Charlotte Motor Speedway's Roval last week. And then today, more than a dozen drivers took to the track which will host the first road race in NASCAR playoff history on September 30th. It is also the elimination race for the opening round of 16, meaning four playoff contenders will see their race to Miami come to an end. Like last week, there were some alterations made to the circuit for today's session as drivers look to really push the boundaries and find the fastest way around, but several of them pushed a little too far. Our Marty, Marty Snyder has more from an action-packed day at Charlotte Marty. Well, Carolyn, it's been a very busy day here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Week two of the Roval testing. Let's get to the news on the racetrack. And it's been an interesting day on the racetrack. Alex Bowman and Eric Jones both spun. They didn't make any contact with anything. Ryan Blaney spun this morning. He did make contact. They had to go to a backup car. It took him about two hours to get the backup car ready. Biggest contact of the day by far, William Byron, who lost brakes going into turn one. I talked to him afterwards. A very heavy hit for him. He said he was fine. He said he just lost rear brakes going into that corner a very scary situation for William Byron but their day was done at that point the biggest issue teams have been dealing with tires and blistering now let's go back to last week's the first week test here at the Roval we saw that with teams as well in that test so in preparation for that Goodyear also brought a second tire compound here this week as well they tried the primary compound this morning several teams saw blistering in fact one team said they had five different tires that blistered on their car so good 
Goodyear offered up at 1.30 this afternoon that second compound to teams. Some tried it, some didn't. That second compound, a little bit softer, it wears faster, but it is slower. As of now, Goodyear says they plan on bringing that primary tire they used last week in the test and this week earlier in the test back here in September. But that softer tire is an option if they decide to bring it back here. They can do that. Also, if teams were learning this track just in general last week at the test, they're sort of refining the things that they have learned from last week. The organization's kind of perfecting that, if you will. One thing that did change, turn eight, the chicane removed from that corner. So now drivers and teams are cutting that a little bit harder. One driver told me all that means is that we're going into the backstretch chicane about five miles an hour faster than teams were last week when they were here. Eric Amarola brought up a very interesting point to me. He said, as of now, they are not planning on using the front stretch chicane for restarts. They'll just go straight through like they would if they were here at the Oval. He says that means they'll be going into turn one on a restart 30 to 40 miles an hour faster than they would be on a normal lap because they would not be using that chicane. So how do drivers describe this race course? Well, Eric Amarola said, hey, every corner here is Calamity Corner. Clint Boyer said, quote, this place is going to be absolute chaos and one driver told me this is going to be the Bristol of road courses. One way or another, this track is going to put on a good show come the playoffs. Coming up later in NASCAR America, we'll talk to A.J. Almendinga, the road course ringer, to see what he thinks about the Roval. And a very informative and always entertaining interview with Clint Boyer. You don't want to miss that one, Carolyn. All right, Marty, we look forward to that. Thank that you. That guy's a pro. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a very thorough report. It was a report wealth of information. From Marty. Uh, there is a lot to unpack, Nate and Kyle. You were also there today. Let's start with the tires and what Marty right. was talking about, Nate. Can you add anything on the issues that we saw from today's session? I can, Carolyn. As thorough as that report was, Parker, I did talk to Marty just a short time ago, and he had just talked to a Goodyear official who now says they're 50-50 on the tire compound that they'll bring for the race in September. The tire they used this morning was the same one they used last week. They've had blistering problems both last week and this morning. So they tried a softer compound in the afternoon and Marty said that Goodyear told him now it's about 50-50 between which compound they will use. I, I think they might even test tires again before the September race just maybe to confirm it. Um, Kyle, my two big takeaways from being up there today were one, young guys having problems. Yes. I, uh, Grant, William Byron, yeah. that's a brake failure. That's not his fault. But Alex yeah. uh, Bowman and Eric Jones and Ryan Blaney all having problems. And then two is Joey Logano's takeaway. What's the big challenge of this track? Not crashing. Not crashing. Uh, basically, if, if you get to the end of this race, you have a shot at winning. Yeah. And for everybody watching, I want to be real clear. These are drivers talking. These are not <laughs> fans talking. These are not crew. These are drivers. They're going to complain about everything. That's what we do. Uh, you want it to be optimum for you, and if it's not optimum for you, then you've got a complaint to make. That's how it, it is. I think these guys are concerned, um, and, and we heard the thing about the, the restarts. If that is a fact, if, if Eric, what Eric said and Clint was in that conversation, I heard him say the same thing on a restart. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. But they talk about this racetrack not having grip in the infield. And we see Blaney right here. The tire and through the corner, through three and four, you get up to 120, 130. It's got to have grip there, but it's got to have grip in the infield too. And these guys talk about just being on slicks. And you see, there is no room for error. I think that's what they're talking about when it comes to a crash fest. Because once you spin, you're going to get into this tire barrier somewhere. And there's so many places. It looks pretty. I like the paint. Don't get me wrong. It looks pretty. But there is no room. When we go to Sonoma, when we go to Watkins Glen, I know Watkins Glen is very narrow. But there are places that you can make mistakes and recover. There doesn't appear to be a lot here.
And the fact that they're going to be skipping the chicane on restarts, wow. as we heard Eric Almarola tell Marty Snyder and going yeah. 30 to 40 miles an hour faster in that first turn. I mean, yeah. as a former driver, that must make you Listen, think that's kind of nuts. We've, we've already seen, we saw William Byron go in there. Uh, we saw Bubba Wallace last week uh, have some issues getting into turn one. If you're going to have a restart and come down into this corner and you're going to come straight from turn four and you're going to be X number of miles per hour faster than what you would be coming out of the, the chicane and there's 38, 30 or 40 cars, whatever that may be, whatever number may be here. And then you've got to slam on brakes. It's like taking Martinsville and extending the straightaway by two or three and then say, okay, slam on the brakes and get in turn one. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Uh, it's the new calamity corner, if you want to say. Look how narrow that is, how narrow the entrance is. As we see him drift through the corner, you've got to get all these cars in here from that. And it's going to be... It's going to be spectacular. There is a lot of guys that have a, a lot of people at the Speedway. Talk to Eric Jones, talk to Eric uh, Almarola, talk to Clint Boyer, uh, talk to Kyle Busch, talk to Joey Logano. Uh, all these guys have more questions, I think, after this test than they have answers. But I, I will also say that A.J. Allmendinger had one very salient point to make, which yeah. was tune in. Yeah. And I think this is a good example, at least what I heard today, is of the inverse proportional theory of when things are bad for drivers, yeah. they might be good for fans. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if exactly. you're a fan who likes things, you know, the outcome being in doubt and having a lot of guys with a handful during the course of a race, everybody yeah. is predicting that, as you said, this race will be a crash. Fest. Okay, now I want to go back to, to this, too. Um, Kyle Busch seemed to be is even kill about anything that was going on there. Okay, he didn't, he was not up, he was not down, he was not negative, he was not positive, he was just head down, let's keep it going. Uh, talking to Clint, talking to Eric Almarola, um, talking to, to some of the other guys there, they're looking at this, it's a cutoff race, and I've gotta make it through this race, to make it through the next round, to do this. They're already feeling the pressure, I think, and that's where some of these comments come from, feeling the pressure of knowing they've got to survive this place. And guys, you mentioned the deal that in turn one with uh, William Byron and Bubba Wallace. I actually spoke to Bubba Wallace back in Kentucky about that incident. I said, hey, man, what's it so tough about turn one at this place in the Roval? And he said, what's odd about it, not only what you described, Kyle, where it's kind of like taking Martinsville and extending it by two or three sizes, but it's also there's not a lot of reference points. So for like drivers, we use reference points for braking zones and where to brake and how to roll so much speed. And he said, as you head in there, he's like, there's there's nothing to reference off of. So suddenly you go in, you think, oh, I've broke just fine. And then suddenly you get to the corner and go, oh, wait, that's the corner over there. I just missed that. that, that <laughs> I didn't make that at all. So it's just very confusing. But the other part that sticks out to me that you brought up about the tires and the slickness in the infield is it reminds me very much of repaves at ovals that we talk about often where repaves have very little grip or they have all the grip in the world till you suddenly go that little bit too far and then there's no grip because you're on such a knife edge a lot of times of the harder tire they have to bring to repaves and the way the pavement is so it just sounds to me like what we've got here is because it's a roval if you want to call it that is the perfect storm of the lack of grip that we have at repaves mixed in with the differentiating speed that we see at road courses between slow corners and high speed so you're, you're getting just this overall i guess uh you know it's like trying to take all this info through a fire hose as a race car driver and just apply all this new type of racetrack that we've never seen before what a fantastic seat for a fan if you decide yes, to actually go out so. to the track you just almost have a bird's eye view of the whole entire thing we are just getting started on our conversation with the roval we've got a lot more from the track when we come back though we are going to bring you the best sights and sounds from saturday night under the lights and that includes what exactly made Clint Boyer so angry at his pit crew and also at Jimmy Johnson. Scan on Kentucky coming your way after this. Let the 43 know that I'm racing here. Get out of the way. Man, Boyer pinched him so hard down in that corner. Did he have to be such a 
Brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. Over the next three weeks, some of NASCAR's biggest stars are going to be at the Big Oak table for Wednesdays with Dale Jr. The fun starts tomorrow at 6 Eastern with Kyle Busch, followed by Chase Elliott on July 25th, and Cup Series champ Martin Truex Jr. on August 1st. There was no stopping Truex last Saturday night. The reigning cup champ has figured out Kentucky, and he has the kind of speed that makes it look real easy. So let's listen to the radios as we scan all Kentucky. The Monster Energy Cup Series comes to Kentucky Speedway. The fans here are on their feet. They're ready for some bluegrass racing tonight, and we're about to get it started. We're racing in Kentucky. What's wrong with it, a little contact here with Jamie Murray down the back straightaway. Smoke coming out the back from seven mile river something right here. And the one door slamming. Hit the right side, the 17 turned into me on the back stretch. Simple, no tire smoke, looks fine up here. Close the two, two pass, exiting section 14. Pass through when you get a chance here. I don't know how, I wasn't even close. It was on exit after our pit stall. Correct, right, now I had the wrong line. Damn, two lines there. Sorry about that. Yellow line to yellow line. Yeah, well, he looked at the first line, and that's where he went. First line's not yellow. I'm on your side. I'm not colorblind. I agree with you. But I'll count down for him. Starts here. Be ready, guys. Right front, hang on. We're in it. Right side, guys. After right here, come on down. Come on down if you can. Caution. Did uh, you feel anything before that, or? Nah, I was just, I was having to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, so maybe something happened with the brake there. I, I don't know. Drive it to the garage here. Great race for second. Blaney working that inside line. Pretty tight corner, still there. I gotta know how far away from my door he is in the corner. Need to know that. Let the 43 know that I'm racing here. Get out of the way. Let's go, girl. Come on, something down there you give me. I think we got, but it's like one of them little peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Next to it. We're looking. We had granola bars in our little goodie bags when I checked in. I didn't get a goodie bag. You must not be a platinum member. Martin Truex Jr. has swept the first two stages. Still need center turn. If I'm not traffic, I can manage it, but I can use a little help. I can be faster. I'll put it out turn three. JJ Yaley, it looks like his engine expired on the number 23 machine. No, go ahead and climb out here. They want you out. Um, they'll, have to, they'll have to push me. I think the old NASCAR official is going to tell him what he's going to do. Yeah. I know he didn't touch nothing, but uh, they're probably going to make him take a ride there. He'll probably be in the uh, infield care facility. He still doesn't want to get out of that car, it looks like. I ain't taking a ride. They get in and push the thing off the damn racetrack. It's wasting time. Get the tractors and all the road push off the track. Inside, inside 48. Kick his ass down here. Johnson, he gets sideways into Boyer. Boyer pinched him so hard down in that corner. Did he have to get such a He's just got a race. What the Deep breath. Collect yourself. Go get him. I gave him one here. Tip for man. We've been faster than him all night. Steve, thank you. I'll let you know when that's coming, man. It happened so quick right there, dude. I mean, you pulled down before I could even say anything. That's about a damn idiot at 34, but 
Yeah, hey, I get more direct. Cut down him before I even cleared him, so I don't know what he's to me for. 34 wonders why he gets wrecked all the time. Clint Boyer, they'll get an air pressure adjustment for tires. Even maintain the position one damn time on pit road. It's about ridiculous. I'm tired of it. I know, so far, man. I've had enough. Three spots every damn time we come down pit road. Yeah, we're in it together here. 12 to go. 12. Good lap here, man. Keep digging. We can get that too. Those three cars in front of us have something different. It's incredible the way they maneuver. Wasting no time with lap cars from here on. We got to go. Give me five more, buddy. All good. All right, brother. Sit still here now. Martin Truex Jr. caps off a dominating performance tonight by going back to back here at Kentucky Speedway. Oh, he is Kentucky, baby. Come on. Woo! Good job, brother. Good job, guys. Oh, yeah, Martin. Picture. Great night, guys. Great night. Truex jumped out of his car, it's rolling away. <laughs> and Truex is about to be interviewed by the folks at NBC, and the car rolled into the grass when he jumped out, apparently forgot to put it in park. You're missing something. <laughs> it's all right, don't worry about that. <laughs> I think the post-race has been more eventful than during the race for Mark Truex. <laughs> So we know what was wrong with Clint Boyer. He was hangry. Yes, that's exactly. <laughs> well done. Granola bar or something. <laughs> that was that an was, underrated uh, joke of that, yours. Thank you. That was um, that was some pretty heated stuff between that, him and Jimmy. That was. I mean, those two got into each other, obviously racing really tight, and that's just a frustrating situation. You heard earlier in that scandal, Ryan Blaney begging for a spotter to tell him what the separation is between himself and the car outside of him because what matters there is keeping air on the right side of your car. When Clint and Jimmy went down to turn three, they got very close. 48 didn't have the air on the outside of his car, and he gets up in the 14. That's always annoying because you feel like this is the outside car. You did all the right things, and the guy, it's his responsibility on the bottom to keep his car in check, and the guy on the bottom thinks, well, you squeeze me, so there's no way I could do that. So it's just one of those normal racing incidents you see. But I also thought that was interesting there that we saw uh, the 34 and the 3 had a little run in that I had no idea even happened. So that's why I love Scannell. It's the best part of Scannell, Kyle. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say something. You ever notice how when we watch these scandals, we never hear anything out of the guy that wins the race. He's just up there riding around <laughs> calm and cool and collected. That's what's so fascinating about Jimmy Johnson in these comments. He's not leading the races. He's not running up front. There's a lot of frustration with Clint Boyer, with other people, because he's racing back in the pack. So this is pretty interesting to hear these comments come out of that 48 car at this point in time. And I think for Jimmy Johnson, that's a team that is literally worried about will they make yeah. the playoffs or not. And I, I found Clint Boyer's comments really interesting because I think in that case, Kyle, I think Jeff Burton might have said this yesterday on the show, he's thinking about the playoffs. Yeah. He's in the playoffs, and he's thinking if we have pit stops like this during those final 10 races, we're not going to win the yeah. championship. If Martin Truex Jr. is quiet, we all know the reason why. Because he has dominated this entire year along with the other two members of the big three in Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. We haven't heard very much from any of that trio on the scandal because their towering performance has been incredible. But has it been good for the sport? That is the question that a lot of people have been asking. And here's how Martin Truex Jr. answered that question on Saturday night. You know, to think three teams have been able to figure it out you know, consistently how to be better than everybody else is just, uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, is it good for the sport? I don't know. I really don't care. My job is to go win races. My job is to win championships. And that's what I'm here to do. 
It's hard to argue with that logic, Nate. I mean, that is his job <laughs> description to go out and win races, and that's what he's done. But give us some context for what this group of three overall is doing. Yeah, I think, Carolyn, when you ask, is it good for NASCAR, you have to put it in a, a historical context. And I think it has happened before, not quite to this degree. But we look back through history. In 97-98, this isn't completely analogous, but Jeff Gordon, Dale Jarrett, and Mark Martin, if you were going to bet on those three guys against the field, you had a pretty good shot at winning. And in 97, they combined for 66% of the wins. In 1998, 70% of the wins. This year, by the way, the big three, 2018, Bush, Harvick, and um, Truex have 75% of the wins. So roughly about the same percentage. Kyle, I think maybe the best parallel is 1974, which we just saw there when you had Pearson and Yarborough and Petty combined to win 90% of the races that year. Yeah, but we can take that off the list because Pearson didn't run all the races, right. so we didn't have it every you week. Only ran you know, 19 of 30. That's right, Woodburn only ran 19 of 30 yeah. and won seven races, which th he was the guy. Yeah. He's the guy that year. We can look yeah. at Richard Petty with 10 and Kelly Yarborough with 10, but David Pearson was the guy. I, I will say this, the, the years that, you, that, that we put up there, I, I drove a car those years. And I've never seen anything like what I'm seeing right now. I've never seen three drivers separate themselves from the pack. And we heard him, we heard, you know, uh, uh, Martin Truex say, I don't care. They don't care. They have separated themselves from everybody else. We asked him in victory lane, Dale Jarrett and I in post-race, do you feel like you're racing Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch? And he's flat out said, yes, those two guys. When we hear Kevin Harvick talk after the race, he talks about how bad my car was. It was terrible. I couldn't do this. I couldn't. We hear Kyle Busch. Couldn't do anything with it. They run what? Third, yeah. fourth, fifth? Only right compared on? to the other two guys. Only compared yeah. to the other two guys. <laughs> right. That's where they're at. They right. don't care about Brad Keselowski. They don't care about Joey Logano. They don't care about Kurt Busch. They don't care about anybody. They have separated themselves. I don't think I've ever seen in this sport and in this garage area the attitude where everybody is looking at those three guys. And there is a huge separation there. Some guys think they're closing it up, but about the time they get ready to close it up, these guys just reach over their shoulders and swat them back, and then they take another step forward. So um, I do think there have been years, as you pointed out, where we've seen the numbers, but looking back and saying that's black and white on paper, that's one thing. We're going to look back at this, and it's just going to be black and white on paper. But the feeling is totally different this year than anything I've ever felt in this sport. Kyle, you know what this makes me think about, though, when we hear Martin Truex Jr.'s comments about, you know, that's my job and, and that's what I'm paid to do is basically go out there and win races and dominate like he's doing. It's that what's so interesting and I've noticed in the last couple of years is a guy like Kyle Larson who gets out and says, you know, well, we didn't win, but that was a heck of a show. Or he talks about how he put on a show and he hopes he put on a show. I just think that's unique amongst what he does compared to that mentality of what Martin Truex has, which is, you know, I'm here to win races. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen. I'm, I'm, I'm of the Martin Truex era, okay? I'm, I'm going to have to say that. I'm, I'm here. I, my, the, the old guys used to have a saying, when you get a snake down, you don't let him up, okay? <laughs> because if you let him up, he's going to bite you. And these guys know that if they, got the, they have these other teams down, they don't want them up. It's not about a show to them. It's about stinking up the show. It's about outrunning everybody there. It's about leaving with the trophy. It's about getting the accolades. It's about getting the... the the championship or the playoff points, it's about taking everything, running the table when you go to the racetrack. Three guys come to the racetrack week in and week out to run the table. Martin Truex, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvey. 
If Kyle Larson wants to talk about the show, talk about the show all you want to because somebody's running the table on you right now, and that's <laughs> what it's all about. It's about winning races and winning championships. All right, so I do agree with you because I have always felt the same way as Martin Truex, which is my job as a race car driver is to go out there and race as hard as I can. But since I've heard Kyle Larson talk about that and started to notice it and notice the reaction from fans, I will say this past weekend I was racing for the lead. I was racing really hard. Ended up losing lead, didn't get to finish the race, whatever happened, but I felt solace in the fact that I put on a bit of a show, that I made it slightly entertaining. So I don't, I'm a little bit torn right now because I feel both ways. <laughs> Hold on, Parker. Hold on, Parker. So help me out. Help, let me tell you something. Let me, th let me tell you something. I tore down a thousand walls in my career, <laughs> and it was a show, baby, but I never felt any solace in it. Get the trophy, go to the house, cash the check, go to the next race and do it again. People didn't pay Amen. good money to watch you crash? No, they didn't pay good money. Okay. <laughs> no, are evil, they didn't hey, do that. Nate, just to put a button on this real quick, I think everybody's wondering how these three have been able to find the speed that they have. And we talk so much about these powerhouse organizations and teammates and that whole dynamic. I am still left wondering why some of the other drivers that fall under the umbrellas of these big organizations have not been able to find anything close to what these three are right. doing. Well, I mean, I just think it tells you, Carolyn, that, I mean, when you talk about Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick, they're all world talents. Yeah. I mean, I, I, not to put too fine a point yeah. on it, Kyle, but I think Kyle Busch is a better driver talent-wise than his teammates. I yeah. think Kevin Harvick is the best driver on pure talent at Stuart House Racing. As good as Kurt Busch yeah. is, I think Harvick has shown since he's joined that team, he's the best. Yeah, and that's, that's the one thing, and, and Carolyn says these teams have found speed. These teams have speed in their drivers. These teams right. have talent in their drivers. Right. These teams go to another level because we have to look at Stuart Haas Racing and say, there's three other guys that have access to everything that Kevin Harvick has access to. There's three other teams that has access to everything that Kyle Busch has access to. So that, that is the worst feeling in the world as a teammate is to say, okay, we're sitting here side by side. We've got the same assets, the same liabilities, the same everything, and you're kicking my rear end six ways from right. Sunday. I've got to look in the mirror in the morning. Numbers don't lie. I, I, no, numbers yeah. don't. I'm, yeah. I'm the one that has to pick it up. All right. Um, coming up, we are going to go back to Charlotte. More discussion on the Roval. It's a big story of the day. We're going to hear from Cliff Ford. He always gives thorough feedback, and he always tells the truth. He spoke with Marty Snyder, and I'm sure we're going to learn a lot more from Tessie today. So stay with us. NASCAR America back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Lobster on tap this weekend. The Cup Series attacking the Magic Mile in New Hampshire. That is Sunday at 2 Eastern, and that one is right here on NBCSN. Our broadcast is unique this weekend. Our NBC race team in Steve Letard and Jeff Burton and Dale Earnhardt Jr., decades of combined experience at the track for those three. So for this race, they are actually calling the action together from the booth. We're going to have Rick Allen offering insight from Pit Road as well. This should be a lot of fun for the fans. This is something that I'm really looking forward to. It's a special broadcast. I am as well. Obviously, I'll be involved. And you know what's been so fun about this year is it's like hanging out with a couple buddies just watching the race on your couch. And now we're going to get even more of that throughout the whole broadcast. Yeah, we've got options because we've got so many talented people on the broadcast, which is really great. So that should be a lot of fun. Meantime, back to earlier today where over a dozen Cup Series drivers participated in the second day of testing on the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Track, you'll recall, going to be used for the first elimination race of the playoffs. That one's on September 30th. Clint Boyer already set for the playoffs. He is going to look to survive and advance at the Roval. Boyer providing Marty Snyder with some valuable feedback from today's test. 
Well, Carolyn, Clint Boyer showing some speed here at the Roval this afternoon. So if you could pick one word to describe this Roval, what would it be? <laughs> sketchy. I, th <laughs> I think I would use sketchy. Scary. Uh, we'll just stay with the S's and uh, <laughs> just, well, no, I won't go any further than that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's just sketchy. I'm talking from the time you get on the racetrack to the time you get off of it, you're just tiptoeing. There's no room for air at all. Um, and, and the grip level, you know, you get to slide in a little bit, like like in three, you know, you get to slide in a little bit getting in there and you're looking over at them tires and there's no room. If that thing comes out from underneath of you, you're in the fence and you're going to be in a hard. It's not something you're going to limp away from and go on and finish the race. Right. Your day's done. Right. Game over. Uh, so it's the same for everybody. Um, you know, we're just kind of inching in on it more and more and more, and I'm tiptoeing in and, and getting a little bit more out of every corner, which is kind of what you got to do. I mean, the comfort level, trying to get comfortable on a track like this, I think is the biggest thing that you can benefit from when you come to a test like this. Uh, and we're just putting the laps in and putting the effort in and, and setups and things like that. But more importantly, on my end, just making laps and trying to be consistent and trying to make sure you're not bobbling, sliding off the track and things like that. Uh, because when you come back here, there's going to be cars that are going to be doing that, and, and you just hope that, th that they're not in front of you because, let me tell you something, if they do, they're going to be, it's going to wad up a lot of cars. There's just not a lot of room to get out of the way. I, I know some teams have seen some blistering up some tires. There's there's different pavement on the course. So is it tire? Is it is it the pavement? What's making it so sketchy, as you put it? Yep. <laughs> all that, all of that. It's that repave feel, some of it. But it's a hard tire that usually comes with the, the repave, and that makes it, it's really hard to explain, you know, the feel-wise in that tire. It's, it's really stuck, feels good, you know, you got a good feel on the wheel, and a car feels comfortable, and all of a sudden that rear end starts getting light, getting on top of the track, and they're like, whoa, 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 what was that, you know? And then it's like you're on ice. You just can't get it calmed down and get it back underneath of you. And by the time you do, you're out of real estate and probably into the tires or a wall hard somewhere. Um, I did, look here, look here. A little bit. That's barely anything, Boyer, right there. It's a little scrape. That's not That's not bad at all. I did hit it, so hopefully that's all I do. I found where it's at, yeah. and now I'm just going to stay away from that. Down the edge. So so as a playoff driver, do you, does your mind immediately go to, I've just got to survive this race, oh, as with it being a cup race? Oh, crap. That's what it goes to. This is the cutoff race. This is a very, very crucial race. For anybody that's going to have a chance of winning a championship, you're going to have to survive this to make it to the next round. And I'm not a big fan of that. I think that was a huge mistake. Um, you know, it seems like things, it's easy to overlook until it's time. And then you get on that racetrack, you're like, oh, my God, what have we done? You know, this is going to be a, a very pivotal racetrack for somebody one way or another, unfortunately. So is this now the, the biggest wild card race of the playoffs? Without a doubt. More than Talladega? More than, way more than Talladega. Yes. All right. Interesting stuff from Clint Boyer, who's still trying to digest the Roval here at Charlotte. Go back to work, okay? <laughs> so, Kyle, you <laughs> mentioned the angst earlier that some of these playoff drivers are already facing on a hot day at the Roval where changes are being made as they speak, and Clint Boyer says that there is zero room for error. Yes. How would you describe how different this scenario is going to be at the end of September? Conditions are going to be different. The pressure is going to be amped up. If you're a driver in the playoffs, you're probably thinking about all that right now. I'll, I'll just use Clint's word. Scary, sketchy, old crap. That's how I would <laughs> describe. I don't care. I, th I think he believes that it's only going to ramp up more as we get closer to this race, as we get closer to 
the reality that, oh my gosh, I've got to go run this Roval. I've got to be here. This is a cutoff race. I've got to score points. I've got to stay out of trouble. I've got to make it to the next round. I think the pressure does ramp up, and especially when we get to that round in the playoffs, what you do in those first couple of races. If you go into this race as a must-have, as a must-make-something-happen, Right. Yes, God be with you. I mean, we're seeing that now, Kyle, with the desperation yeah. of, of some drivers. Stenhouse at Daytona, you might see that amplified times 10 uh, at Charlotte in September. I will say one thing, Boyer's point uh, to NASCAR about the fact that, you know, this was a mistake making this the, the cutoff race for the playoffs, uh, that he feels as if yeah. that's unfair. I'll just, just, what, just for fairness, NASCAR's side of that, Steve O'Donnell at a, at a press conference a week ago for Bank of America's uh, title sponsorship of this race said about the Charlotte road course, some drivers will say it's the greatest ever. Some will say you're out of your minds. I believe that's a perfect match. So I think NASCAR's yeah. answer to Clint Boyer on that, Kyle, yes. is this is what we want. We yeah. want this to be out of control, unpredictable. We want it to be like Talladega. Listen, I, I give NASCAR credit. I give Bruton Smith and, and Marcus credit. They changed the racetrack. They did something. They're trying to make something happen in the playoffs. They're trying to bring some excitement. So anytime you have something where half the people are for it and half the people are against it, the truth has to be somewhere in the middle. I'm looking forward to it. The Xfinity Series gets a crack at it first, so I would guarantee that every single Cup Series driver is probably going to be paying very close attention to what happens on an unpredictable roval. Coming up, we are going to highlight some of Saturday's unsung heroes from Kentucky, as well as an amazing recovery from one driver in particular, running with the pack is next. Welcome back, everybody. Eric Jones's first Cup Series win was immortalized yesterday on the wall of wins at Joe Gibb Racing headquarters in Huntersville, North Carolina. Jones's win on July 7th at Daytona was also the 300th NASCAR National Series win for JGR. But we have some really tough news to tell you about. Oh, no. Off the track. Jones has gotten rid of the now famous mullet. Devastating. That is really tough stuff to handle on a Tuesday, Parker. It's a sad day for mullets everywhere. Kyle, um, any chance we get you in a barber chair anytime soon, or is that you still? Do you still have a ponytail? Can, can you see that tear? <laughs> There's one single tear. Uh -huh. It's happening. It's coming. It's just, yeah. It just comes. We, it just comes. We will no. continue to press on. Um, by the way, in we case, will survive. Yeah, in case you were paying attention, Jones finished seventh in Kentucky. That's his fourth straight top ten. Certainly something to take note of. A lot of other drivers had pretty good days as well that were running in the pack. We love doing this segment, Running in the Pack, where we highlight some of these other names. So who do you have for this week? Well, my first driver finished 18th, and that is David Reagan. This was an impressive run for David Reagan and Front Row Motorsports because it's kind of what they're trying to do from the start of the season, right? They the Bob Jenkins' owner made a larger investment this season. They got closer aligned with Roush Fenway, and I'd say almost fully aligned with Roush Fenway. And this is the kind of runs they want. Top 20s. Right now, he's 26 in points. The goal for this team, get to the top 25. That'd be a huge improvement over past years for Front Row Motorsports and exactly what they want to see out of the investments that their owner Bob Jenkins made. So this was a great run for the 38 car and David Reagan. Now, moving on from him, I'm going to say teammate who finished right behind him, and that is Matt Kenseth in the sixth car for Roush Fenway Racing. Now, I say teammate because these cars are so closely aligned. It was said to me this past weekend that they're basically all running the same cars. Now, why is this important? Not because Matt Kenseth finished top 20. That is not a shock. We know Matt Kenseth is capable of a lot more than that. It's been a good run for the sixth car, but most importantly for Roush Fenway Racing, 
This six car has become, as it said to me, a test car to try things to help the other cars and most importantly help the 17 car of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They are putting parts and things on this car that they do not feel are race proven and therefore if they see good things out of them they can immediately then put it on the next race on the 17 car to hopefully help that 17 car of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. make the playoffs which is the goal for these teams throughout the year. So it's been uh, it was a, a Roush Fenway sort of running with the pack but two very interesting stories and I'm sure Kyle you have another interesting story of a guy who made a heck of a comeback. Uh, my interesting story, obviously, uh, for me, I guess, is Kyle Larson. I mean, what he did uh, on Saturday night, I, I don't think there, there's a handful of drivers in the Cup Series that could do it. Here he is running because he missed uh, driver introduction, has to start at the back of the pack. He drives this thing from the back of the pack up through the field. Uh, it's passing him inside, outside, outside on a track where it wasn't very wide. But this thing got better and better. He drove up and passed the 78 of Martin Truex, one of the few guys we saw pass Truex all night long. And then all of a sudden, his car got tight, got really tight. He looked down at his track bar adjustment. It had dropped two inches. He adjusted again. It dropped down to five inches. They took 14 rounds out of this thing. He started at the back and drove back to a ninth place, ninth, ninth place finish. Now, 14 rounds, I don't think that the, the average fan or someone sitting at home can understand what 14 rounds are. It's incredible. We talk about quarter pound of air pressure adjustment. We talk about 16, eighth inch shims. 14 rounds, people. Let me tell you something. That's like this far when you start looking at it. That's an exaggeration, just go ahead and tell you. But what a phenomenal comeback. And not many drivers could do that. Chad Johnson said, hey, just fill it out and let, let us know what it is. He drove it into one corner. He said it felt good and took off and did it. That's the, that is Kyle Larson's talent. Incredible. Yeah. It just it basically took every driver's argument of when a crew chief makes that quarter pound adjustment and says, yes. the car went to junk. They're going to be like, but what about Kyle Larson <laughs> in the 14 exactly. rounds and the Larson five inches down it. on the track bar? <laughs> exactly. Incredible. All right, uh, we are not done with the Robo. We're going to check back in with Marty Snyder when we come back. He has another guest, A.J. Allmendinger. Um, and we're going to ask him if being a road course ringer offers any true advantage when it comes to a track like this, the unknowns of the Roval. Stay with us for that interview when we come back. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back, everybody. Quick note on IndyCar, which will have a new home for its season finale next season. WeatherTech Raceway at Laguna Seca near California's Monterey Peninsula. Earlier today, IndyCar announced a three-year agreement to race there, and the track previously hosted IndyCar events from 1983 to 2004. A.J. Allmendinger raced at Laguna Seca during his IndyCar days, and now he is like every other NASCAR driver trying to figure out the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Allmendinger was at today's test session. He shared his thoughts with Marty Snyder. Well, Carolyn, let's chat with a driver who did the very first test here at the Roval. That was way back when. So, AJ, how different is the course today versus then when you first came here to check it out? Well, they, they put these weird chicanes on both sides of the straightaway. I didn't have that. I was running, a, I think, about 195 through turn three. So, um, it's definitely a little bit different, uh, obviously, with a lot more cars running. The first time here, it's still slick in the infield, but the first time here, it was like driving on an ice rink. So there's definitely a little bit more grip. Um, it's still narrow and it's still slick. Uh, it's interesting, for sure. 
how, what are the biggest, if you had to kind of break the whole course down, what are the biggest challenges of the Roval? Well, I mean, they're all a little bit of a challenge. Turn one, I mean, you go into like a tunnel there, so you get in there side by side, it's going to be interesting, but really the biggest thing is, are the two chicanes, but the back, uh, the back straightaway chicane, I mean, it, it is, you're flying through there. And I think Larson last week was just making a triple jump and clearing it, so they put tires there to stop that, but... Uh, I'll say if we go in there side by side or a small mistake, you're going to hit those tires probably running about 130. So uh, I don't know the fix for that, though, because you, you have to put something there. Otherwise, we are going to jump through there and just kind of skip it. So uh, that is a big challenge. And, and you know, in the infield, it's going to be tight. It's going to be kind of like it's going to be like a Sonoma in the sense where you're going to have to be bouncing off each other to be too wide. But the only different thing is this kind of reminds me like a champ car days like I'm in a street course driving through the uh, infield there because it's so narrow. They removed the rumple strips off of turn eight. Has that made a big difference because it seems like the entrance speed to the backstretch chicane is a lot quicker now. I mean it's a little bit but I was jumping over those anyway so I felt like those were unnecessary because you weren't you weren't we were going to jump over them anyway so it wasn't like we were going to just follow them around the corner. It does help the exit a little bit because it was really tight on the exit. You can actually get the car pointed a little bit better but yeah I mean it probably you probably carry about four or five more miles per hour down the end of the straightaway. So, uh, I mean, it's crazy. It's uh, it's unique, and uh, I think it's going to put on a, a hell of a show in one way or another for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about the three road courses that that NASCAR Cup Series goes to. You've got the traditional one, Watkins Glen, right, with the rolling hills, a lot of speed. You've got Sonoma, slow, completely different kind of road course. How would you rank the Roval sort of in that mix of where it falls in? Well, it's uh, – you still got a lot of speed in certain areas. You know, the biggest thing is, really is, is I think tires are gonna be a big deal because, you know, we got the, the, the cars kind of opposite camera of what you would run on a big oval to run through the infield. So it definitely hurts the tires a lot. Uh, the tires are gonna go away really quick. And because of that, I think long run speed and if you can just manage your tires a little bit better are gonna be uh, interesting. So. Uh, it's a different challenge, and that's what we keep asking for is we want a different challenge. I feel like we get a little monotonous in some of the racetracks we go to, so it's a different challenge that uh, I'm going to love accepting and, and hopefully coming on top. As a guy who's the road course expert, we'll do that, we'll do that in quotes, right? Quote, yeah. is, is, is that experience going to pay benefits when you come back here for the playoffs? Uh, no, no. They're, uh, the good and bad thing about the Cup Series is uh, there's a lot of really, really good drivers no matter what types of racetracks you go to, so... Uh, we see it at all the road courses that we go to. The best drivers still get up front, and uh, they're still the ones to beat. So hopefully I can be one of those. Is this now the biggest wild card race for the playoffs, you think? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Talladega is still interesting, but this one is, uh, is right there with it. All right, guys, learning a lot of stuff here today at the Roval Test. The consensus now from all the drivers that we've spoken with that this is now the new wild card. And I love the honesty from AJ at the end of that. You know what? He's been great at Watkins Glen in the past and done okay at Sonoma too, but this is a whole nother animal. And it is. And I love how he said, you know, there's parts for our schedule that get monotonous. So he's excited for it because it's something new and different. But actually, I was texting AJ uh, just a little bit ago and asking him about that back chicane. And I said, you know, how fast are you going into that chicane? He said 175 miles per hour they head into that thing. So imagine what he, Larson was doing. He was jumping over those curbs, probably getting all four tires in the air at 175 miles an hour. They've slowed it down a little bit by putting those tires there, but AJ was still kind of stressing to me in the text about how he felt like what he said there, which is 
it, there, there's so little room for error. And we heard that from Clint Boyer, and we heard that from him. I've been hearing it from so many drivers, and that's why there's so much anxiety about it, right? Because it's just, as a driver, you're thinking constantly, I can't make a mistake. And that's a tough place to race, but it should be good for the fans. Yeah, Larson not the only one cheating that chicane, I think, during that yeah, first there was test a couple as well. There were a number of drivers who were trying to get an advantage, and that's the beauty of this, is that they continue to make changes. They've been making them all day. So the Robles on the schedule. Could the Cup Series one day return to the dirt? And if it does, Tony Stewart wants it at his track. We'll explain what we're talking about next. Welcome back, everybody. So tomorrow night, the Camping World Truck Series hits the dirt at Eldora Speedway. But track owner Tony Stewart thinks that Eldora can actually host an even bigger event, as he mentioned today on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Maybe one of these days we'll get an Xfinity or a Cup race here because we've proven you can run the vehicles here. And we've proven that the truck drivers that have never been on dirt before can sit there and get around this track really well. If a truck can get around here, an Xfinity car or a Cup car can get around here as well too. So I never dreamed we'd have a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race here. You know, maybe the dream will start now that maybe we can get an Xfinity race here in the future too. Fans, if you're out there, think about starting to put some pressure on NASCAR. I think we need to get an Xfinity race and if we can get an Xfinity race and it was successful maybe one day we can get a cup race here at Eldora and that's something that I think everybody would love to see. So Nate this was one of the questions posed on the bump and run article that's out today on NBCSports.com. We got two thumbs up from Parker already. So what should happen next is the question second race for the dirt on trucks should there be a race for dirt in Xfinity should there be a race on dirt for cup what say you Nate? I'd like to see one, Carol, and I think we should preface this by saying, you know, Tony Stewart owns Eldora Speedway, so he would yeah. stand the benefit financially, but he's been really good about upgrading that speedway, and I'm sure that he, if he were to get a cup race, Kyle, they'd need to look at a safer barrier, yeah. they need to look at maybe yeah. a different pit lane, different way to do pit stops, and I think they'd probably need to look at a tire that would yeah. be different from the truck series yeah, as well. Yeah, there would have to be some improvements, but I'm going to say this, I love the racing at Eldora. That's a racer's racetrack, and a racer putting it on, Tony Stewart. A few years ago, NASCAR went the other way. They went market racing, not race racing. Right. If NASCAR wants to go back to racing, you need a Wilkes-Brud, you need a Rockingham, you need an Eldora, you need a racetrack instead of a market. And we go into markets now to race, more so than at any other time. Agreed, Kyle, but you know what I think also to add on to that? Not only do we, I love what you're saying there, we need to pick tracks over markets, but also let's go to become the most diverse racing schedule. Let's add a street course then. We've got a roval, we've got road courses, we've got mile and a half, the super speedway. Now we have a dirt track and maybe add two because I just think if we're going to say we have the best drivers in the world, then they should be able to race on everything. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, why not? I mean, Kyle, you guys up for that? I don't know. We're just hey, about yeah, to Let's go back to 1962 because <laughs> that's the way they did it then. Man, let's just do it. You know, you know all are, about it? We are, not, we are not going down this rabbit hole right now, but maybe We'll talk about a street course later on in the sure. week in NASCAR America. That's going to do it for now. Tomorrow, Wednesday, special guest Kyle Bush, 6 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you're with us. It's going to be a great show. We'll see you then. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.